The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You are listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode 11. So today, I want to stir the pot a little bit, and I want to talk some politics. I don't know about you, but I don't think I have met a single person in the United States that actually likes the political climate that we are living in these days. And to be honest, uh, as New Age Christianity is beginning to establish perspectives and lenses on the world, perspectives and lenses on life, absolutely one of the things that we must discuss is what do we do with the political scene? What do we do with the issues that politics is designed or supposedly designed to deal with? So I've got some thoughts. I'd like to share some with you today. Some of them I'll keep to myself for obvious reasons, but this is one of those discussions I've been looking forward to bringing into this context, and I hope you too are also excited to talk about politics. All right, here we are, episode number 11. And yes, I am about to start delving into politics. So for those of you who are cringing right now and are about to turn off your podcast, just wait. It's as uh, hopefully you've learned by now that any subject that I attempt to tackle on this podcast is uh, I try to bring different concepts or different ideas that maybe you've never heard or at least ones, uh, you know, think about old ideas in a new way. So no, I am not about to start a pro-Trump episode or a pro-Obama episode. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, (laughs) I'm not pro-government. And I'll explain it as we go. But, um, you know, just one of the basic principles of the kingdom, one of the basic principles of Christianity as a whole, but obviously, hopefully, New Age Christianity, is that self-government and uh, individual liberty is the way of heaven. It is the way of the kingdom. And to be honest, most most government discussion comes down to what types of control and what measures of control we can exercise on people who think differently than us. So yeah, this, this, this community known as the New Age Christian community, I mean, the New Age Christian, those two concepts, for the most part, are in a lot of people's minds, it's an oxymoron. It is the, how do you, how do you be a new age Christian? And it's sacrilege to the Christian. And it is a lack of courage to the new age believer because they think of, you know, anyway, so whatever you think about new age Christianity and whatever this identity is that we're trying to build, the truth of the matter is, is that there is, I can tell you, there are people in this community that if when it comes to political discussion, if you were to sit down with them and go, oh, you know, this is beautiful, New Age Christianity, love it, and we were to have a conference, and at some point that conference turned over to political discussion, you would instantly realize, oh my gosh, I'm sitting across from the table from somebody who thinks completely different than me, 
right? I know there are members of this community that absolutely hate Trump. I know there are members of this community that absolutely love Trump. And I think it's awesome. I think it's a beautiful thing to have variety and to have that kind of um, community that is being built around a different concept. But it's no joke. I mean, it's no mystery. It's it's certainly something we all know that the political climate we live in right now is as polarized as ever. I'm not going to pretend like the past was all that great. You know, this isn't one of those, um, I'm, I've never been one of those people to look back and go, oh, if only we could go back to how everything was like when I was a kid. Well, the reason when you were a kid, everything was awesome is because you were a kid. Not because it was the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. It's because you were unaware of all the crap. And so your parents had a lot of the same stuff and their parents before them. Political difference, war, religion fighting the, the culture and, and vice versa. The, the next generation rebelling against the, the rules and the, of their fathers. Like there's never been a generation, guys, I promise you, there's never been a generation that didn't rebel. It's how humanity works. It is we were born to move forward. We were born, we were created to expand. We were created to move into tomorrow. If you remember, I believe it was the previous episode, I talked about how all of us have the same one thing in common, and that is that we want tomorrow to be better than today. For that reason, every generation that's ever been born has pushed. They have pushed forward. And New Age Christianity, at its, at its very core, is a group of people that push forward. And so, I want to take that concept and that energy and I want to take that core belief and that core perspective and that lens that I believe brings us all together about let's make tomorrow better than today and let's do it on purpose. I want to bring that lens into the political discussion. So a few ground rules for this episode. One, I will not be talking a whole lot about specific issues. I'm not going to make a case for or against the wall. I'm not going to make a case for or against gun control, for or against abortion or anything like that. What I want to do is attempt to lay down political principles, specifically political principles via kingdom concepts, right? Heaven on earth, um, which I believe is what Christ brought is here and is waiting for his government to rise up, his sons of God, and that is all of us, by the way. It's not just some select group of people. All of humanity are the children of God, and we must step up into adapting kingdom principles. So, New Age Christianity, and really, let me back up a second. Religion and the church have largely established themselves over the past 2,000 years as a major part of the human experience, right? If you look at just a few major parts of, of the lives that we all have in common, religion is one of them. And it's largely established itself as a separate discussion from the political discussion, and really a separate discussion from anything. You know, it, it's, it has its place in the family discussion for good reason, but I believe that in the coming age, especially with how how much information and how much 
interaction we have with all other parts of our of our life i believe in the coming age humanity needs to learn how to not create so much separation between politics and religion and money and and how can we begin to view our lives as a whole thing where we can engage with other people as their whole thing right we go to work and we only talk about work we go to church and we only talk about church and we go to certain functions and we only talk about politics and then when we bring in religion to our thanksgiving meal or we bring in politics to our workplace it's like all hell breaks loose and everything explodes why is that why can't why why when i do an episode on politics why do am I certain that some of you right now are just waiting to be pissed off <laughs> or or hoping that I'm on I'm on the right side of the, the the issue you know if you find out I believe in homosexual marriage you know oh my gosh I don't know if I can stay around what is the deal with the inability to mix these worlds so that is one, there's, there's a handful of uphill battles, not the least of which is I'm trying to mix a political discussion in the midst of a spiritual group of people. And make no mistake about it, we've got new age people in this group, we've got Christians in this group. That is typically oil and water when it comes to the political components, because we all know that new age people are mostly liberal, quote unquote, and Christians are mostly conservative. And they have their reasons. But I don't believe that the principles underlying the political requirements of, of a culture, I don't believe that the principles fall on either side of that coin. So in full disclosure, I would call myself a libertarian. And I would argue that libertarianism is the closest political construct that we have available to us today that follows the major kingdom principles of self-government, no harm, and essentially liberty slash the freedom to pursue that your tomorrow would be better than today. So I want to I want to start at kind of the core of why I ever talk about anything, and that is my goal is to help all of humanity get to a perfect world. And so I began to ask my friends and family a few years ago this question once in a while when it was appropriate. And I would say, take a moment and think about, in your mind, what a perfect world really looks like. So do that for a second. Just, just pause. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here. And what does a perfect world look like to you? I'm guessing there's no war right? There's no death. There's no poverty. There's no sickness. So we kind of have the big ones, right? <laughs> nobody, nobody gets, nobody gets sick. Nobody get nobody dies. But what has to be in place in order for that world to exist? Because I guarantee you, if you were born in church, born and raised in church, you likely kind of have this nebulous idea of like, well, Jesus is going to be in control. And so, perfect. We're going to live under Jesus' dictatorship. 
And yet, I would point you to many times in the days of Jesus, in his life, where he refused to control anyone. All he did over and over and over was pass out freedom. He passed out self-control. He did not judge. He loved you where you were at. And he gave freedom to everyone who came in contact with him. Freedom from the law. So, in this perfect world where nobody gets sick and nobody dies and nobody steals anything and there's no war and we have quote-unquote Jesus control, is it because there's just the right amount of laws that everyone follows? There's no extra laws, right? Because you need, in a perfect world, you should be able to do what you want. But there's just the right amount of laws to not be able to do what you don't want. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not about that. Maybe it's about just the right amount of police, right? Nobody ever breaks the law because there's just the right amount of policemen on, on just the right amount of corners in every city street to where everyone's got just, just the right amount of rules and regulations and enforcement that nobody actually needs rules or regulation or enforcement because nobody breaks the law. Nobody steals anything because the police are perfectly measured against society. You realize how fast that breaks down. This idea that in a perfect world, it's a perfect government. It's a perfect set of rules and a perfect set of uh, rulers, right? Yet we were all called to be kings and priests. So if everyone's a king, let me ask you, who are the subjects? Doesn't make sense. So if you back up a second and consider what does a perfect world look like, I would go a bit more philosophical and realize that the kingdom of heaven is within you and that you're a king of the kingdom of heaven, which is within you. And that a perfect world is not a world of Jesus control, right? The great control freak in the sky is going to come down and somehow, maybe through technology or some magical way, maybe it's the angels, he's going to dictate what everybody does so nobody sins and nobody messes up and nobody stubs their toe and nobody cusses and nobody pays the wrong amount of change and therefore kind of accidentally steals money from somebody who bought a donut. Like you get just how nebulous and ridiculous this this perspective is. That And honestly, I know most Christians have never thought about it, but it is, it doesn't make any sense. That Jesus control and governmental concepts could ever bring perfection. And that's the point. That the law and law itself cannot perfect humanity. It cannot perfect our interactions with each other. It cannot perfect our experiences of freedom balanced with restraint. It cannot perfect our experience of pursuing a better tomorrow without it being at the expense of somebody else. So if Jesus control isn't the answer, then clearly any version less than that, you know, electing the right president is not going to bring the kingdom to the earth, people. I'm sorry. 
Neither Obama nor Trump nor anyone like them. Even if I ran for president someday, I'm telling you, this is not how it happens. True perfection in the experience of being human only comes from one place, and it comes from the the law of life and liberty. Complete freedom in its purity in all of humanity is actually complete anarchy. And that there is no control systems in place except for the one known as the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, in the kingdom inside of you, that you are a king of. And that that law of liberty and of love where we submit ourselves one to another is so ruling the hearts of men that we don't need Jesus control. We don't need God control. We don't need any control because one of the fruits of the Spirit is, you guessed it, self-control. So, principally speaking, if we're going to have a discussion on politics, I believe you kind of have to consider any discussion, whether it's religion, finances, politics, relationships, entertainment. You have to consider what is the point of it and where is it taking us. And I believe where politics is taking us or is attempting to take us is to a way in which society works together, yet gives each one of us complete liberty. And let's be honest, most political discussion is the complete antithesis of that. It's not about how much liberty to give away. It's about how much control to exercise on everyone else. So what does a perfect world look like? It looks like a world with no government other than the one inside of you known as the Holy Spirit. And so, I get it. We cannot wake up tomorrow. We're not going to wake up tomorrow where everyone on the planet understands how to love each other perfectly. We have a long way to go as we learn that. The law of growth is a universal law. It's the law that the Father himself has has works within. I can prove to you that God control is not the the end result of where we're headed. In that, just look around. Jesus brought the kingdom with him 2,000 years ago, and this kingdom still has a lot of problems. If he finished the work, and the point of a finished work was Jesus' control, I believe he, (laughs) at the very best, he confused the hell out of me (laughs) because he constantly handed out freedom. He constantly said, this is on you. This is this is in you. This is who you are. And this is what the world needs from you. I don't believe that we can get there tomorrow. I'm not saying that we should, you know, go anarchy, complete anarchy. Um, by the way, I don't mean violence. Anarchy is usually, you know, connected to the idea of violence. This is not what I'm saying. Anarchy in its purity is literally no government and, and that it's self-governing. So it, we can't get there overnight. But if we could get there, then we would probably want to instill some principles and start moving in that direction over time. This is why, to the best system I know, this is why I do tell people, yeah, I'm a libertarian. Not because I love every libertarian candidate that's ever showed up, not because I'm super involved in the libertarian party, but because principally centered, I do believe that liberty and the ability to let people govern themselves as well as not harming others. Those two main concepts are the main libertarian concepts. And so the no harm component, I think, makes sense. I will insert here that one of the biggest challenges 
of letting people pursue happiness in their own definition, it shows up when they're, when someone's pursuit of happiness challenges one of two things. One, it challenges my definition of what is right, or it challenges me and my pursuit of happiness, right? That's where the rub is when we live in society. So let's take homosexual marriage, for instance. The Christian community, by and large, is defined as its stance against homosexual marriage and homosexuality in general. There are passages in scripture that allude to it being, um, not just allude, but they, they say, you know, it's debauchery, it's fornication, it's, it's an abomination. Okay, great. I'm not here to talk about that particular issue. What I'm here to say is, if you perceive that homosexuality is wrong, it's an abomination, blah, blah, blah. Let me ask you, what is the end goal of you trying to regulate someone else's behavior to not do something? And where does that desire come from? Because I believe it's a pharisaical foundation that when you input your law on somebody else because you think it's wrong, especially when you're not a victim of it, you are participating in the pharisaical system of the law. You are participating in a system that Jesus came to replace, okay? Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, which he did. And then he gave us a new law, which was liberty. So when you look at something like homosexuality and you say, well, that's a sin, that's an abomination, therefore we should pass rules that say X, Y, and Z, you are participating in a pharisaical system on so many levels, not to mention you are also elevating the political system above the system of heaven. You have essentially said that the government's definition of marriage is more important than heaven's definition of marriage. And let's be honest, Christians and heterosexuals for hundreds of years have abused heaven's definition of marriage just as much as homosexuals have. Okay. And this is what I'm saying regarding if you're one of those people that views that marriage should be only a man and woman. Great. Yet fornication, adultery, divorce, rape, all of the above, marriage is not as sacred as you would like to pretend it is. (laughs) Heaven has some perspectives of it, and I do believe it's absolutely beautiful and sacred, but to pretend that the government's definition is the one that God gets offended by, you know, if if you break the government's definition of marriage, now God's offended. Seriously. That's, that's not how this works, people. <laughs> that's not how any of this works, right? You either believe the principles of marriage and the union between a man and a woman on all levels, or you just need to be honest with yourself and you're inserting law over certain people you don't like and certain people you don't agree with. Now, I'm not saying that there's not other principles involved and that you shouldn't have passionate discussions about homosexual marriage and a legal definition and all that stuff. This is not, it's not an attempt to say, pull out a political discourse and don't talk about it because none of it matters. No, it's just saying, if you're going to talk about it, bring in your, bring in kingdom principles, bring in the things that you say you believe on all levels. 
some of my experiences growing up, I've never, um, I've never smoked marijuana. I have no desire to smoke marijuana someday. I don't know. I mean, it's becoming legal and that's not the point. The point is, is I had some experiences growing up, um, with people that were close to me that were, had addictions or had issues with pot and, uh, negative, negatively affected my life. I had negative experiences and thus I have negative opinions about certain points around the discussion of marijuana. Okay. And right now I live in Michigan. We just had uh, the 2018 elections. And one of the initiatives on the ballot was the legalization of marijuana, which I voted yes for. Why did I vote yes, even though I have personal issues against pot? Because I believe liberty. I don't believe in liberty when it's convenient. I don't believe in the kingdom principles of self-government when, I, when it's only something I agree with. Therefore, to me, the principles and their application, there is a hierarchy of principles. I mean... For anyone to say that truth and its application is static is someone who doesn't understand that life is nuanced, okay? I believe that there are components of the uh, pot community that negatively affect our culture, but I believe the lack of freedom is, a, is an even more negative effect. You know, and I've you know I heard the I've heard all the arguments, and I agree with them. It's no different in many ways. It's no different than people who are drunks. There's no different than other abuses of other substances. Therefore, I get it. But even if it's crack cocaine or LSD, there is a second principle inside of uh, the libertarian concept, and really inside of the kingdom concept, which is in your pursuit of happiness in in your individual self-governing control there is the buffer that your pursuit of happiness cannot be at the expense of somebody else's and this is the rub this is where culture has been trying to figure out a perfect system from the beginning when cain killed abel <laughs> literally all the way back then Cain's definition of a better tomorrow was a world in which Abel did not exist. Therefore, he killed Abel and was in violation of kingdom principles. So what happens when your definition of tomorrow is at the expense of somebody else? Sorry, what happens when your definition of a better tomorrow is at the expense of somebody else's definition of a better tomorrow? Right? You define a better tomorrow as a world with no homosexuals. And homosexuals define a better tomorrow as a world in which they can be openly married and live the life of everyone else. What principles do you bring in when you have those conflicts? And that is the principle of no harm. Okay, so it's, it's self-explanatory, but the major principle inside of loving one another and submitting ourselves one to another is that you prefer others above yourself. Just think about that from a political standpoint. To prefer others above yourself. That is absolutely kingdom. That is absolutely the guiding principle and the guiding mechanism inside the heart of all humanity when, not if, but when we live, when we get to experience a perfect world 
the guiding principle will be love, and it will be submit yourselves one to another. And I usually, if you're, if you're not watching the video, I'll, I'll explain it, but submit yourselves one to another literally is a going lower and preferring the other person above you so that you are submitting over and over. And what I'm doing with my hands right now is essentially I continue to put one hand above the other and then one hand above the other and then one hand above the other and switching them back and forth and back and forth. And visually to me, if you can picture that your one hand and your friend or your adversary is the other, what does a perfect world look like where today I submit myself to you and tomorrow you submit yourself to me and we continue to prefer each other over and over like a dance where we let each other be. Can you imagine the internal effect it's going to have on you? Whenever, let's, you know, let's say it's one day I submit myself, the next day my enemy submits their self and you do that for 30 days. So 15 times every other day for 30 days, you have had to humble yourself. There's a crazy thought. That even though you have an opinion, even though you have a perspective, for 15, 15 days out of 30 days, every other day, you have chosen to humble yourself and prefer your enemy, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, right? This kingdom concept isn't just about creating a perfect world. It's about manifesting a perfect you. That politically speaking, if we let the political discourse work its way into our hearts, I believe some of the most genuinely loving people I have ever met are the ones who don't get offended by other people's beliefs. They don't get scared by other people's ideas and they look first to their own self every time. Not because they're selfish, but because they are aware of their interaction with those around them and they are willing to humble themselves over and over and over again. I, lo I would love to live in a world where people know how to humble themselves. And this is how you do no harm. This is how you let others govern themselves and you pursue happiness and you pursue your definition of a better tomorrow. And I guarantee you, if we can start doing that just little bits at a time, you'll find that war and disagreement and poverty and all of these things begin to take care of themselves because we've taken care of the inside of the cup. As Jesus says, the outside will take care of itself. So self-government is really about the individual. And that is arguably to me the most damaging lens that religion and politics and our culture has yet to really understand. And that is the individual is the defining unit through which all decisions should be made. And what we, we have we haven't even just like lost sight of it. We have completely ignored the power and the sovereignty of the individual. And we have gone into a complete adoption into what I would call collectivism, right? Where we make laws based on collective lenses, where I'm not talking about it. I can no longer view you as an individual. I view you as white. 
right? Because you're part of that group. Oh, you're also male, so you're a part of that group. You're also Christian, so you're part of that group. You're also, this is your income bracket. This is the, you know, this is your subculture. And the inability to see people as individuals and only begin to see them as the different groups they belong to. We all, we all belong to different groups, right? I'm a white Christian male. So that I just named three groups that I belong to. And obviously you can, you know, black, Muslim, female, and everything in between, you know, uh, I'm a straight white Christian male. Oh, I'm a homosexual, whatever. I'm a, we have these labels and sure they can be useful to an extent. I'm not saying that you, you know, don't label it. Labels are useful. I'm not scared of labels, but when it becomes your lens for who somebody is, you stop seeing them as an individual and you stop seeing them as, as an individual expression of God himself. And so collectivism, I encourage you to dig deep and re- and see and examine your own journey, your own life, where it is that you have allowed collectivism to become the to become your major lens. Because I promise you, it is in more places than you than you think. The easy ones to see are things like Black Lives Matter, where I would ask, so I thought all lives mattered, right? In the church, um, I haven't talked much about this, but there may be people listening to this podcast that absolutely believe that Israel is the chosen people of God. And this, and they were. And yes, I do believe in replacement theology. And I also believe that God loves China just as much as he loves Israel. God wants China to be saved just as much as he wants Israel to be saved. That Israel is just as chosen as you are. And you don't need Jewish blood to run through your veins because, you know, so that God will love you, right? There are people I know who genuinely believe all hell is going to continue to break loose and that things are going to get worse and worse until finally the Jews are saved because the Jews are the ones God loves more than everyone else. And yes, I did just simplify it and I boiled it down, but be honest, like that is exactly the collective idea that we cannot view people as individuals anymore. We've been taught to view you as the groups that you belong to. I believe that lens is so antithetical to the kingdom. And it's so antithetical to where the world is going that, I don't know, it's, it's, I could probably do a whole episode on, on collective thought. And let's, if you've heard the saying, um, People are, are, individuals are smart, but people are stupid. And the idea that when you get into groupthink and you get into collective thought, you get things like Antifa, right? Antifa pretends to be anti-fascist, yet they exercise all of the major tenets of fascism every time they get together and have a riot. Every time they beat up people who think differently. Every time, you know... It's because individuals are smart and people are stupid. And what it is, is it's viewing people as individuals is love and viewing people as collective groups is bigotry. No matter what group you say, if that is your major lens, and so I'm speaking to conservatives right now, if you view your friend or your brother-in-law as quote-unquote a liberal Let me encourage you to challenge that and view him as an individual. View your brother-in-law as someone who might actually have some nuance 
in the things he believes. Because when you say, oh, he's a liberal, the things you immediately begin to judge him by are your definition of what liberal means. Pro this, anti that, pro this, anti that. And you may find that's not, a, that's not at all what he is. And I guarantee you he's done the same thing to you. And he's, oh, you're a conservative, so you're pro this and anti that. And all of your arguments have probably been based on about a thousand different assumptions. And even if they haven't, even if you're a more mature political debater, right, I would still challenge the collective lens that you have been given. Because none of the political solutions that we're looking for can be found through that, through that paradigm. Collectivism is the way that the majority tramples the minority. If you don't agree with the majority, then your rights become worthless. And democracy is not what we were founded on in the United States. We were founded as a republic. And it's a different concept than democracy. And really, democracy is mob rule. And for the last few hundred years, we've been in transition as a race, as humanity, into a different way of, of working together. And I believe technology now, through blockchain technology and, and um, different concepts that we can be more engaged, we can be more involved. There's a, a couple of few discussions um, on the epic.org website uh, by Sweetbridge. And there's, they're talking more about some of the technology and its uses for uh, industrial shipping and stuff like that. But there is a section in one of them where I remember he speaks about what it would, it would be possible for consumers through blockchain, blockchain technology to be so in touch with the process of how their products get to them that they could see if the factory workers for this particular shirt were being underpaid or abused just by being able to track certain components inside of blockchain technology and say, this shirt was unfairly produced. I'm not going to buy this shirt. I'm going to buy the one next to it because this technology can show me. Now, if we can apply that to industrial products, why can't we apply it to politics? So even the idea of a republic where we have representatives and so forth I get that we, we're too far advanced for, to need that basic concept that we had 200 years ago when we were founded as a nation. But the systems that we have need to begin to advance themselves to where, yes, you can be an informed public, and yes, you can vote directly, and you can have something towards a, a different end of democracy, but it cannot be through a collective mindset. It must not be through this we're the majority, you're the minority, therefore your liberties don't matter. Your choices don't matter. And it comes back to, it's all different forms of control. And if you're going to engage in the political discussion in, an, in, in a passive agreement that control is the point and that varying measures of control is why you're engaging in the discussion, then you're part of the problem. I'm going to be honest. Because control is, is absolutely the antithesis. And those are for you the kind of the major points I've wanted to get across. And it kind of uh, is one last piece, and I touched on it with blockchain. But how do you move beyond control and how do you move beyond collectivism? Well, it's decentralization. 
decentralization, um, let me explain it. If you think of Washington, D.C. as the hub and everything is centralized there. And now you have this political discourse inside of a central location and you forget all you forget the individuals, you forget the the homeless guy on the street in Seattle, you forget the farmer in Ohio, you forget the car salesman in Michigan. You centralize these discussions around this group of people. I don't think it takes a just watch. They in Washington have no clue what reality is for the rest of us. If you've seen the Hunger Games or read the books, they actually have, you know, this centralized city and they have these 12 districts. And the further you get out from the main hub, the more poverty and the more destruction and the and uh, hardship you find. And I don't know if you know this, but you can Google it, that the highest paid county in the United States is the county that Washington, D.C. is in. Like we are literally living in a modern day version of Hunger Games in the sense that the capital city has all of the wealth, much of the wealth, I should say. And that, and then there's obviously other cities around it. But the decentralization of information, the decentralization of power, and the distribution of these things to the individual is where the kingdom is headed. Blockchain technology can actually make this possible. And we'll do an episode coming up about blockchain. I believe um, it's a technology that is changing our world. And it is worth talking about in the New Age Christian discussion. It is largely what our uh, future as humanity is going to be built around. And so the decentralization of information, the decentralization of power, and it's distributed, (laughs) distributed, distributed (laughs) to all of us individually is how you get away from the control mechanism It's how you get away from collectivism. And so principally speaking, I believe the kingdom is about giving you the power, giving you the control. And by default, it's giving you the responsibility. And that, I believe, is where people really just don't want to go. Because it's a whole lot easier to have Jesus control from a religious standpoint. It's a whole lot easier to have government control from a a political standpoint. It's a whole lot easier to be fed, even down to the physical level. Like so many people will just tell me what to eat. You know, if I need to eat right, just tell me what to eat. We hire people to tell us what to do because we don't want to be responsible for knowing what the, the principles underneath it. You know, I want to leave off with two verses that to me really, really summarize the kingdom under underlying this and it's uh, james james four seventeen says uh, to him who knows what to do and he does not do it to him it is sin meaning the definition of what is right and the definition of what is wrong is no longer written on a list or in a book or <laughs> or in washington dc but that, it, that each one of us is responsible for defining what it is that we should and should not do because we each one have the Spirit within us. 
Therefore, to anyone who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. And in the tithing episode, I talk about the imaginary conversation where you and I are walking down the street and and God's been working on me to be generous and he's been working on you to be a wise steward. And we're walking, we see a guy on the street corner with a guitar case and he's begging for money or he's playing for money. And I need to be generous. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, give him $10. And And I ignore the Holy Spirit and I think the same old thoughts I've always thought. And I go, nah, he's just, you know, a bum. And you, the Holy Spirit says, whatever you do, don't give him $10. But you're a bleeding heart and you always feel bad for those people. So you give him $10 and we keep walking. And from the outside, if you knew what was going on, the homeless man got his $10. And so from that measure, the results were great. But on the inside, it was a complete failure because we both disobeyed the spirit. I knew the right thing to do and I did not do it. You knew the right thing to do and you did not do it. And to each of us, it was sin. And it had nothing to do with the $10. It had everything to do with the other concept, which is Romans 14.5. And that is, each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, contextually, Paul is talking about, he says, one person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks. For not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you guard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. There's a lot more context there, but I think it's very clear that in the kingdom, We are all individuals. Collectivism and control are not the end goal of the kingdom. They are not the end goal of Christ. And therefore, I believe as a New Age Christian family, I hope we can become a family around these principles that we can realize how often when we get into political discussion, how often we're buying into these two great lies that collectivism and control are how we get to perfection, because those are not the principles of the kingdom. To decentralize and to individualize the power, to individualize the definition of even what is right and wrong, is to trust spirit in each other, is to submit ourselves one to to another in love. And to that end, I pray that this conversation has begun a different discussion in your heart. And yes, we have a long way to go. I do not. (laughs) Perfect anarchy uh, right now would be a disaster because there's some really, really shitty people on the planet. There is absolutely a need for different measures of control and punishment. And I get it. But how do we get there if we don't at least begin to instill the principles of what that perfection looks like? So. 
I'm curious as you guys uh, listen to this episode, if it is, if it begins to cause you to think differently, I would love to hear from you. Um, the uh, website is un- uh, going through an overhaul, but uh, one feature that will still be there is this podcast is posted on the website and there is a comment section below. And I would love to hear your thoughts and um, love the discussion to, to grow. Um, a few announcements. There is... Uh, as I said, the, the website is being under, uh, it's being updated. But one of the things that I haven't talked much about is the private group. We do have a private group on Facebook for more of a community concept. And that is going to serve as the forum that I have talked about a few times in previous episodes. That if you want to join the private group, there will be a process. Um, it's very simple, but it's, it is an invitation only group. So if that interests you, shoot, uh, you know, just post it on the NAC public page. You know, hey, I'd like to be part of the private group and uh, we can throw you in there. But there will be a process posted up on the website, newagechristianity.org soon. It may be a couple weeks, but that's on the way. And as, as always, if you would consider uh, donating, um, your, your relationship with the Holy Spirit is the thing that determines whether or not you should. I ask uh, most weeks not because I'm trying to manipulate, but because just the reminder to think about it. Hey, think about donating. If you're receiving value, if you would like to get a bit more value out of what you're receiving, engage with the, with the universal law of reciprocity. And um, if you haven't read that post or listened to the, the giving uh, podcast, I encourage you and you'll realize I'm definitely not, I'm certainly not manipulating it. It is 100% a, uh, an exchange of value that uh, just want to remind you to consider. And thank you for considering that. Anyway, love you guys. Hope this uh, episode was thought-provoking and has blessed you. And I will see you on the next episode. <laughs>